Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Ian Irving and the focus of today's show will be on the news that we broke yesterday that Chelsea are growing in confidence over the signing of Manchester City and England forward Raheem Sterling. To help me dig a little deeper, I've got three of the Athletic's finest with us today. Manchester City writer Sam Lee, Chelsea writer Simon Johnson and football correspondent David Ornstein. Hello everyone. Now this should be interesting. There's lots of strands to this. There's lots of moving parts at both ends. But Simon, after that piece yesterday, Yesterday, that you and Sam wrote about Raheem Sterling, how has Chelsea's confidence grown exactly? Raheem Sterling has has been asking questions to people um, that he knows about Thomas Tuchel, how he acts as a coach, what he's like, what Chelsea's like as a club to play for, the, the inner workings. And when a player does that, they're doing it for obvious reasons. They're 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 keen to go. Um, and from what I'm hearing. He's liking the sound of, of, of playing for Chelsea. And why wouldn't he, if he is considering leaving Manchester City, um, it's a chance for him to return to London. It's a chance for him to to play for still a, a very good club that competes for major silverware. So um, he obviously knows some of the players in the dressing room too. So it, it, it sort of, it ticks a lot of boxes for him right now. Is it something that Thomas Tuchel wants? Yes, I mean, he is looking to strengthen, improve Chelsea's attack. You have to remember that Tuchel has had very little chance to mould the team into the one he wants. He, he's inherited pretty much everyone, apart from Romelu Lukaku, who I'm sure we'll get on to shortly. The attack does need refreshing. Goal scoring has been a real problem. And the one thing that you can sort of say about Raheem Sterling is he does bring goals. He also would count as a homegrown player. It's still an issue as far as clubs are concerned. But you can sort of imagine the injection you give that dressing room, a serial winner, someone that knows what it takes to win the Premier League. Yeah, Sam, as Simon's listing the things that Sterling will bring to Stamford Bridge, you sort of think about the things that the Etihad Stadium are going to miss with him not part of Pep Guardiola's squad. Why do they seem open to the idea of, of Sterling leaving? 
Yeah, well, like Simon said, it's a move that makes a lot of sense, and obviously it does from, from, from every point of view. But I'm sure there'll be people listening, as you say there, thinking, well, why does he want to leave City and why, does, why is City happy to let him go? So, I mean, effectively, for over a year now, he's not been entirely happy with his game time. He's kind of fallen down the pecking order. He's not played in the kind of games he'd want to be playing in. And all the way through that time, that's kind of conditioned how he thinks about his future. When you put it from that point of view, would you want to sign up to a new contract if you weren't getting the game time you thought you should be, if you weren't happy, you know, if you're a footballer and you're not playing the games you think you should be for more than a year? You're not necessarily going to sign on for any more of that, you know, even to the point where after last summer's transfer window closed, not too long after, I think he went to the club and said, I'd, I'd like a loan deal to kind of get my spark back and fall in love with the game a bit. You know, that's the extent to which he's not really happy with the situation at City. And then on the flip side of that, he's got a year left on his contract, so that's obvious. But City, generally speaking, maybe not generally speaking, maybe always speaking, they're not the type of club that goes, no, you'll stay here for as long as we need you. They're the type of club that would say, you want to go? Okay, well, if you bring us a good offer, you can go. Because they don't want anybody around the squad who's not going to be happy. That might affect the dressing room, might affect you know, the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. If anybody were to come this summer, Kevin De Bruyne, hypothetically, if he were to say, I want to go, they'd say, oh, well, you better bring a huge offer, but you can do, you know, that's, that's how they do it. So yeah, Sterling, not entirely happy with his minutes. And City obviously know if he wants to go, they'll let him. But with that year left on his contract as well, it's just a good time to to get some value. Although I would say plenty of City fans would like to keep him around. Yeah, but within that argument over letting someone leave if they want to go, it's happened probably in the most high-profile sense in recent times with Ferran Torres and it's happened with Leroy Sané as well. But they've both gone to teams in different countries. This would be a sale of one of the biggest stars in City's sides to one of their biggest domestic rivals. That That is... Is there not a different attitude to that, Sam? It's not ideal. But I think given the fact that Sterling would like to go and the fact that City want to get some money back in for him and kind of move on with the squad, I just think it's kind of it's an awkward situation. And, you know, look, maybe during the course of negotiations, that does make it difficult. Maybe it means the City want more money to make it worth their while. I don't know. But the fact, the fact is, they would, I'm sure, you know, I can't say this for a fact, but I'm sure it is a fact, they would prefer to sell abroad. Like, why, why wouldn't you? Because obviously with Gabriel Jesus possibly going to Arsenal as well, I'm sure they'd much rather sell him abroad as well. But it just so happens that the best options seem to be Arsenal and Chelsea respectively. And that just may be the situation they're in at City because, you know, they would have liked to have signed these guys up to contracts before, but, you know, they want to go and play football and it just so happens that, you know, the best options are in the Premier League. So, no, it's not ideal at all. David, let's bring you in. How complicated are these deals to do between two big English sides? Because they don't happen very often, do they? Yeah, well, the boys have encapsulated both sides of the club's argument very well there. Um, There is another element to this in that we need to look at what Sterling wants as well. And I reported about a month ago, I think it was the 13th of May, our understanding on his perspective, which was that he was waiting for the Nations League games with England to pass and then he would, uh, for the first time, properly discuss and decide upon his future, whether that would be to stay on a new contract at City, which is looking pretty remote, or whether it's to leave. And if he's to leave, it would be to a small number of football's elite clubs. And clearly Chelsea appear to be one of them. Their interest is genuine. He's got a decision to make. Does he want to take that opportunity, provided, as Sam says, the sort of money is on on the table club to club and satisfactory? 
or one of the other options. City have a dilemma that we didn't mention there that he's only got a year to go on his contract. Beggars can't be choosers. They can't really command the level of transfer fee from abroad. So the Premier League is a necessary evil for them to consider unless they want him to run down the end of his contract. I don't think City are afraid of their own shadow. I don't think they fear dealing with Premier League clubs because they're confident of themselves being able to rejuvenate, invest, stay at the top of the game, compete for honours, Premier League, domestic cups, Champions League as well. So it is complicated um, because of the rivalries. But in terms of the lines of communication, I don't think City would have an issue dealing with Chelsea. Their new ownership, Todd Bowley, has been calling around a number of clubs already um, to start negotiations for, for players, whether that be City, whether it be Inter Milan with Lukaku and that situation, which we'll come on to talk to later. He seems very proactive, which is perhaps more the American model that he's used to uh, from the LA Dodgers. Uh, I, I don't know of City having sort of animosity within the Premier League when it comes to this sort of situation. Maybe there's a bit of background with a club like Napoli, for example. Sam will tell you much more of how heated it got with Jorginho and Koulibaly and situations like that. But I think if Chelsea are prepared to pay the sort of money that City are looking for, then this can get done club to club. But it, again, is whether Sterling would want to do it. And one thing I would say is that City don't tend to muck around with these sorts of things. They have their valuation, whether it's on Sterling or Gabriel Jesus or Leroy Sane, Bernardo Silva. If it's met, as Sam says, you can get going. In the case of Bernardo Silva, it wasn't met. In the case of Leroy Sane, it was met. In the case of Gabriel Jesus, it may well be met. And the same on Raheem Sterling too. City don't really need to sell. They're in a strong financial position. They're very clear in what they can and want to do. I don't think they'll be dropping their demands lower than they think is right. And so, yeah, if a deal is there to be done, I'm pretty sure they will do it. But that's quite a big if at this point because Chelsea and Man City are not in direct negotiations at this point in time and there has been no offer as we record this. Okay, let's stick with the City side of things for the moment, Sam. How much of a hole is he going to leave? I sort of alluded to it in the question earlier, but how much of a problem would this potentially give Pep Guardiola and his squad and certainly on that right-hand side of the attack? You've written about it for The Athletic. In terms of the right-hand side of the attack, yeah, he doesn't really play there for City, which is, again, a strange one because I think a lot of City fans would prefer that he that he does. I think Sterling might like that he does. And when he has played there, he has done well. And you think with Haaland there, everything just seems a bit more exciting and vibrant. And if City have got more opportunities to... Well, not so much more opportunities to play on the counter-attack, but to be more lethal when they do get counter-attacks, when they do get transitions. You'd think Sterling being part of that with Haaland through the middle and Alvarez from River Plate, you know, that that would be appealing. It is a strange one because if you think about Jesus and Sterling, it's a strange one in particular with Sterling because he's in the top 10 all-time Man City goal scorers. But there's been a feeling over the last two seasons or so that he's not played to the best of his ability. And, you know, if we talk about when when City won 100 points and then they followed it up the season after we win that domestic treble, he was fantastic. He's kind of dropped away from that standard. Between him and Jesus, they got 30 goals last season in all competitions, which they would need to, to plug that gap. Haaland, you'd imagine, would contribute a lot of those. Um, although we've spent the last year talking about how Grealish needs time because everybody needs time. So that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, Grealish, that you would then need to step up and add more goals. Foden, kind of on his trajectory, you could expect that. But, you know, every, everybody's going to have to make a leap forward in terms of actually putting the ball in the net. And then Cole Palmer on the right-hand side, the 20-year-old, you made 10 
appearances in all competitions last season, he would have made more, but he got injured in January and effectively missed the rest of the season. You know, there's gonna it's going to be required that he will make a bit of a leap as well in terms of performances, consistency, contribution. So yeah, it does leave them, I wouldn't say slightly light, because between Foden and Grealish on the left, Alvarez and Haaland through the middle, Mahrez and Palmer on the right. They've still got six players. They've got two players per position and they've got flexibility to kind of move around a bit. In terms of city standards of, of depth, it, it would be a little bit light compared to where they've been in the past. I mean, if you're talking about sort of surefire things to happen, you're expecting Phil Foden to make a step up. You're expecting Jack Grealish to have a better second season than the first season. You're expecting Haaland to hit the ground running. You're expecting Alvarez to move to a different continent and have an impact. Riyad Mahrez only started 15 Premier League matches last season. He'd sure have to start more than that and then you're getting a, a youngster in Cole Palmer to have a big step up to make an impact on the first team which he's not done before either so there's quite a lot of things that need to happen there rather than things that you expect to happen it's the same in terms of numbers but it's not okay you've got Raheem Sterling and whether he's playing amazingly or whether he's inconsistent he's probably going to get you 15 goals Gabriel Jesus can chip in with you want to say 10 to 15 yeah there's there's always that kind of certainty of okay, well, this is going to happen. Whereas, yeah, now there are there are more question marks around it. But I mean, it's as simple as that. We could talk around in circles about it, but it is as simple <laughs> as that, really. Th- those are the things that need to happen. You know, Haaland needs to make an impact. Grealish needs to play better in the second season. Alvarez, and it's a huge gap between Argentina and, and City. You know, they are very excited by the player they've got on their hands there. Guardiola himself is very excited by it as well. They're going to need to have a look at him in pre-season and, and hope that he does because let's say he has problems adapting to a new culture, a new league, to the step up in quality, whatever. And let's say Palmer plays a few games, but it's like, okay, maybe this is a bit soon for him to be that consistent because let's say one game he's great, another game not so much. That can happen. And that can easily happen. So you do have more more of an issue there really, yeah. But um, the, the, the other thing you would say is City have always found solutions. Didn't have a striker and the mood going into last season was they're in big trouble here. Obviously, they won the Premier League in impressive fashion, fashion again. Did well in the in the Champions League, FA Cup semi-final again. One of the narratives around City is that they haven't got a, a big enough squad to compete on all four fronts, which is quite a sentence, you know. To try and win everything, you need a certain size of squad. I actually think it's it's been quality rather than the size. Okay, they could maybe do, do with somebody else, but I mean, who couldn't? That's an ideal world. What, they, what they've actually needed in games like the FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool, when they've played Sterling and they've played Jesus, they've needed them to be better, but maybe because they're in and out of the team, that consistency is not there and it just gets very difficult. So I don't think it's the size of the squad. It's been the quality, but now there is a question mark about whether that quality is going to be there. It could be, it could be. And it might not be. Yeah, the line in your introduction to your piece, which dropped earlier on The Athletic, about the possibility of Sterling and Jesus moving on at City and how it leaves them. You said it's ironic they may end up with too many strikers after going what feels like an eternity without a, a recognised centre forward. Simon, let's switch you back then to Stamford Bridge. Um, where would he fit in, Sterling, and whose future do you think it may affect? Well, he could fit in in all three positions in, in Tuchel's um Three four two one formation, of course, sort of centre forward probably being the least likely. But there's been issues with the support players to the main front man. Um, in fact, all their futures are there's a question mark about a lot of them. Timo Werner spent two seasons at Chelsea, not really done it. There are there are sort of um, strong indications he would like a move this summer. So there's one spot already. Hakim Ziyech is another one that, again, I don't think is particularly happy playing under Thomas Tuchel. Might be pursuing a move this summer too. Christian Pulisic 
everyone's seen the tweet that his dad made uh, a few weeks ago, which just highlighted that things aren't perhaps all good there. Although I hasten to add, it, it would be some statement by new American ownership to sell the American superstar. And then, of course, there's Callum Hudson-Odoi, you know, this, this player, this, this great young talent that so much is, has been expected of since he signed that, that deal in 2019. Bayern Munich wanted him. Uh, and for one reason or another, injuries, etc., it's not quite happening for him. And he might sort of see the, the prospect of Raheem Sterling coming in as a, as a, as a bad sign. You know, like, what's going on here? So Sterling may be coming in, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's to add to. It might be to replace somebody. Um, so Chelsea's spending, this is just the start, um, if they do complete the deal for Sterling. But it, I think what it does is it, if you're Todd Bowley, you want to make a significant statement. You want to send that message out to Chelsea fans that you mean business. And if you sign a, a tried and tested England international who's got many winners medals in his in his locker, that is quite a statement to send out, especially when you're signing him from, from one of your title rivals. And of course, the future of Romelu Lukaku is a ginormous issue for Chelsea to get straight as well, David. Where are we up to with that? As things stand, Chelsea are pushing to get this deal finalised. Um, it's all about whether Inter are going to accept their conditions and their president, Stephen Zhang, um, because Chelsea, as has been well documented, would like a €10 million Euros loan fee. Um, I think Inter will need to cover all of the salary that they agree with Romelu Lukaku. Uh, he's keen on the move. So it feels like it's into the home straight now. People want to get it done as quickly as possible, but it's not quite there just yet. I mean, Chelsea for a while now have been exploring possibilities. You know, we reported back into the end of last season that they were admirers of Darwin Nunes. They also like Gabriel Jesus. So clearly their mindset and that of Thomas Tuchel, who Todd Bowley seems to be giving a great amount of authority to so far, is on replacements and, and different possibilities for that position. Robert Lewandowski is another one who, who has been linked. So I'd be keen to hear sort of Simon's view. He touched upon on Bowley and, and, and recruits there. You know, Chelsea also have admiration for bringing Nathan Ake back as a potential option. They've been linked with Kim Pembe. They've been, you know, reported to be very, you know, clearly targeting players in a number of positions, talking about bringing players from Inter Milan if they are going to sanction Lukaku's departure. So it feels like it's ready to uh, explode, Simon, but largely once the Lukaku situation is resolved. Yeah, it does feel like that's been a, a significant distraction or obstacle to get sorted out first. The Lukaku signing has... It's been a bit of a disaster, for, for everyone, for the player, for the club, and you have to say for Tuchel as well, because it, it doesn't reflect well on him that he's been given this this great striker, uh, you know, for, for whether you agree that he's great or not, but he's scored lots of goals at great cost um, that they brought him in for, and he's not got it to work. And they're, they're clearly their relationship isn't that great if, if Lukaku's pushing to move and Tuchel's quite happy to let him go. But perhaps it's best for all concerned if they go their separate ways, if, if, if things have got that awkward between them. But it does mean that, that on top of Sterling, that that's just one signing they have to do. There, there's quite a lot of work on this squad that's required. You, you felt 
you felt with the sort of the way their title collapse, their title uh, challenge collapsed, the way that they um, were sort of beaten by Real Madrid, even though they put up a great effort against them in the Champions League, that this felt like an end, a bit of an end of an era, um, that this squad does need some some serious refreshment, but. I'm not sure. There's a lot of talk about how much money Chelsea have to spend. This is a whole new Chelsea era now. Like the yeah. Abramovich eras in the past, this sort of spending freely with, with a benefactor that's going to sort of happily rake, rake up sort of £1.6 billion in debt and, and, pay, and, and sort of pay it off with his own cash. Like these owners, yes, they are going to spend money, but it's going to be clever. It's not going to be just buy someone and then think, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just buy a replacement next year. They're going to be a lot more clever in the way they go about their spending. And that's why it's important that Tuchel's heavily involved. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, David, the other player who affects this or it feels like may affect the dynamic of of Sterling's potential move to Chelsea is Gabriel Jesus and what exactly happens with him at Manchester City because selling one player to a rival is one thing, selling two players to two of your rivals is another and especially two players who play in a similar position as well really. So how do you see the the deal for Gabriel Jesus progressing and do you think Sterling has any effect on that or vice versa? No, I'm not aware of them being interdependent or linked and City thinking about suddenly retaining one because the other's going. I think both of them could be on the market provided that, uh, and could be on the move provided that the right fee arrives in City's eyes. And 
you know, Arsenal has been very well documented by us and others are trying to close out a deal for Gabriel Jesus. They've made progress on the player side. Uh, the feeling is that he is up for coming and they need to get to an agreement with City on the transfer fee. That hasn't happened yet, contrary to some reports, but there is some optimism around Arsenal that they will. But I think they need to move pretty quickly and I think they're trying to because there is other interest in him. Chelsea are interested in Gabriel Jesus. There are suggestions of Tottenham. I'm not aware how credible they are um, and he is the key target for Arsenal, which is something we've reported for a long time. Mikel Arteta wants him to spearhead the attack. So Manchester City, of course, if he was to stay and leave as a free agent next summer or even sign a new deal, that's a slight possibility. But I think they're minded uh, towards the fact that he will be going and very possibly similar with Raheem Sterling and maybe even some others as well. There's some trading to be done. Man City are looking at strengthening at left back. Their key target is Mark Cucurella, but Brighton are going to hold out for a very high fee. The suggestion being around or in excess of the 50 million they got for Ben White. Cucurella's only been at Brighton for one season and done extremely well if it is that fee. As Sam and our colleague Paul Ballos have reported, the feeling is that City, if Brighton do demand that sort of level of finance, will walk away and look for alternative options. We mentioned Nathan Ake there. That's a, a possibility. We'll see how, how that ends up. Uh, suggestions of a new contract for Rodri. Gundogan has a year to go as well. Zinchenko is a possible mover if the right offers come in for City and for him personally. So, yeah, a lot of moving parts at City, as there are at other clubs too. I know City fans will be rolling their eyes at a lot of this because last summer they were, like, it didn't do us any favours that kind of every day there was on one of those aggregator sites a story saying Barcelona want like, X Man City player. And there was about 10. And you just think, well, Barca haven't got any money anyway. and But then that, the reason it didn't help us was because, and I thank my lucky stars every day that Pep Guardiola confirmed this when the season started. He said there were four or five players who wanted to go. And I was like, well, thank, thank God he said that. Because we've been saying that all summer. But it's kind of been undermined by the fact that nobody's actually going anywhere. Yeah. So you, you can roll your eyes a bit because, you know, you never really know what to believe from as from a fan's point of view when it's in the media and you know we're sitting here again second summer in a row going slightly different players this time but Zinchenko could go and Gundogan could go and Mahrez has got a year left on his contract I think Mahrez is going to stay but obviously Sterling and Jesus and Bernardo Silva and David was saying earlier you know things move very quickly and by the time we finish this podcast there might be something else well Pep Guardiola's been speaking in Barcelona this morning as part of an announcement of the friendly between Barca and City there was a bit of banter between him and Joanne Laporta and he was like look we'll be here with and Bernardo Silva and 10 more you know like Bernardo Silva will be our player once the season starts because this friendly is at the end of August um, he will be our player and you know there'll be 10 others and then I think he, he was asked about it again and he was like look my feeling is he will still be a Manchester City player but as we always say and which brings it back to what I was saying right at the start they won't stop a player from going so like I said if Kevin De Bruyne said actually I want to go they'd say okay bring us the offer it's the same thing with Bernardo Silva because he's so beloved he's so good he's so versatile he can play so many games he's so physically fit he's perfect basically great attitude even when he's upset you know he wanted to go last summer he wanted to go the summer before didn't get his way but just went okay forget that and have a great season and last season was one of his best for City and so was the season before but I, th I think basically 
what the situation may be with this one is I think he'd like to go to Barcelona because I think the source of him wanting to go in the first place was not any kind of problems with City, not so much the game time. I think maybe two years ago it was, but not now. It's just back to Spain, Portugal, you know, that kind of culture, closer to the family, you know, easier for the family to maybe move and live in Barcelona than it is for them all to come to Manchester, whatever it may be. Um, that element of it. But again, this is the roll your eyes part of it because all we all we ever know is Barcelona haven't got any money. It seems quite unlikely that Barcelona are going to be able to do that. But if there was a situation where Bernardo said, I want to go and there's this offer from Barcelona or possibly anybody else, but most likely Barcelona, City would go, ah, okay then. And then I, the plan is, I don't think they're thinking of bringing in any other players, but if Bernardo Silva left as well, you'd start to think they're definitely short at this point. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So just to sort of round it off, Sam, if Sterling and Jesus were to leave, City wouldn't replace them? I don't think so. I don't think so. But that was my information. I think it's it's Paul's information as well. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident in what I know, but I'll always defer to Paul and I'll always defer, defer to Orny as well. I think we're all on the same page with that one. I don't think there's any concrete plans for Manchester City to go and buy another winger. If Bernardo Silva were to go, we'd have to see with that one too. But I, as it stands, it's, as we've said before, Kukurea and and Calvin Phillips they're the ones coming in as well as obviously Haaland and Alvarez yeah of course which are already in the building and exactly the position that you want to be in heading into a season that's got I think four matches in August and however many in September Uh, Simon in terms of the situation then now for Chelsea you said before obviously or it might have been David who said it before but Lukaku leaving opens the door basically to the to the business to be done for Chelsea over the course of this summer It it would help a great deal to get that done before moving on but it's not by no means just Raheem Sterling who's being targeted, is it? There's a story on The Athletic today by your colleague Liam Toomey and Mark Carey as well, listing some of the possibilities to replace Lukaku. So Sterling's not coming in to replace him, is he? He's, he's an addition to a, to an area of the team that needs addressing. No, it's not a direct replacement. And, and, and obviously Lukaku was signed to be the target man, to be the goal scorer, to, to lead that attack. So one would assume, one would happily, you know, sort of rightly sort of think that they're going to go for someone else to replace him. They, they've got to. If you sort of, if you were to look at sort of one of the the key area that that Chelsea are lacking in terms of competing with City and, and Liverpool, it's an attack. And and sort of noticeably, once their defence started to leak goals, it it became more of a noticeable issue because. For for the first three four months of the season, they were able to win. Basically, they they'd keep clean sheet after clean sheet, but suddenly the pressure was put on them going forward to score two three goals to win a game, and they just didn't have the players to do it. So, so yeah, the, the, some of the names David mentioned already. Um, they, they've scouted Nkuku. Um, is another one at RB Leipzig. Obviously, they've got a relationship there, having signed Werner from them, and maybe who knows they could uh, talk about. One going one way and one going the other. Um, that's just me speculating. That that's not from any inside information. But there, there, there's so much um, there's so much surgery needed on the squad. I didn't touch on it before. They've they've lost two centre backs, two of their key centre backs in Christensen and Rudiger. You've got you've got an issue of Azpilicueta and Alonso, both with one year on their contracts. Both Barcelona, <laughs> the the penniless Barcelona want those two. Um, <laughs> You've got um, N'Golo, Conte and Jorginho with one year left on their contracts. Do they give them a new deal? Or do they think, hang on, they're both in their 30s now. Is this the time to cash in? 
what I hasten to add, Chelsea can't fix these problems in one window. There's so much work needed here. So any Chelsea fan, I, I sort of stress the, the urge for, for caution about what this season's going to hold for them because for starters, competing with Liverpool, Man City, they've fallen short against those two clubs on a consistent basis since 2017. Um, but even if Sterling comes in, they're, they're going to need sort of at least four or five signings. And I'm not sure how much money the new owners will genuinely have. It depends on outgoings. And if you're only getting a like a 10 million loan fee for Lukaku, for example, that's not really going to cover very much in terms of bringing someone in. So there's talk of a 200 million pound budget, but I think it, I think a lot of that is down to towards what kind of money they can raise with outgoings. Yeah, listening to all three of you, it sounds like just Manchester City and Chelsea have got a hell of a lot of work to do over the course of this next couple of months or so. I think you three are going to be very busy boys uh, just covering these two clubs, but we'll have to leave it there for the minute. It's been fascinating to get all of your insights. So thank you, Simon. Thank you, Sam. And thank you, David, as well. Of course, plenty more on the developing story of Chelsea's interest in Raheem Sterling and all other transfer news across this window on The Athletic. Remember, you can subscribe now for just £1 a month as well. Head to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. But for now, we'll say goodbye and we'll see you on the next one. The Athletic.